This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, Show 51. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with Brandon Turner with our first show of 2014. What's up, Brandon? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to Josh and everyone out there. How you guys doing? Oh man, doing good, doing good, you know, 2014, time for some big things to happen, you know what I'm saying? There you go, there you go. Well listen, All right. so 2014 is off and running, we're very excited about it, and with that, let's just get into this thing and start with our quick quick tip. tip. 2014 quick tip, here it is. Today's quick tip is to head over to the Bigger Pockets new member introduction form. And if you have not yet introduced yourself to the community, I want you to do that. Yes, we've said this quick tip before, but I wanted to add one more thing to that. I want to let you know that uh, it's really important to share your goals with folks. And I think one of the cool things that you can do with your introduction is let us know your goals for 2014 in that introduction. And of course, if you've already left an introduction in the past, come help the community. Go and greet three new people today and welcome them to the forums. The more people you greet, the more people you connect with, the better your network is and the more opportunities you have. So make it happen. Get out there and do it. So. There it is. There it is. With that, why don't we get to the show? Of course, this is show 51 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 51. Today, guys, we've got as our guest, Mike Sherwood from the Buffalo, New York area. Mike's an active member of our forum and one of the co-authors of a new Bigger Pockets community book that's due out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but, uh, we'll tell you more about that in the weeks to come. Uh, that said, Mike is going to share some of the lessons he's learned about partnering, getting started, investing while working a full-time job, a very popular topic and a whole lot more. So definitely pay, pay close attention to this one. Uh, there's also a ton of really, really awesome content. Uh, so, uh, definitely, uh, listen up. And of course, Mike's a good guy. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. 
Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. So with that, why don't we bring him in? Hey, Mike, welcome to the show, man. Good to have you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here, guys. Appreciate it. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do this. We are. We are. So... So thanks. By, by the way, Michael told us up front that he's listened to every single show of the Bigger Pockets podcast. And, and uh, I think he said that he's really enjoyed the transition from how terrible we were <laughs> to how absolutely mediocre we are today. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> well, <laughs> Mike also told me yesterday that when we call him Michael, it's, it's as if he's in trouble. So when, yes. when I told him that we would call him Michael whenever he's in trouble and we'll call him Mike whenever he's not. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> there, there we go. Uh, all right, let, let's kick this off. All right, Mike. So, what kind of investing do you do? Uh, mostly do buy and hold, uh, multifamily um, buildings, and now we're just starting to get into some flips and to do some property management. Nice. And where where are you? Where are you located? Uh, I'm actually located in Buffalo, New York. So, oh, New York. Are you originally <laughs> from there, or, or, or? Yeah, I'm from Downstate, Binghamton area. Uh, I don't know if you know Downstate, but uh, Downstate well, would be uh, Upstate. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Downstate. Downstate. No, really. Like uh, you know, the real New Yorkers, those of us who <laughs> come from civilization, uh, hey. look at look at those places as Upstate, otherwise known as the Boonies, the country. Yes, from yes. the sticks. I am from the sticks. That's that's what I, that's what I've been told. He's a rural guy. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. All right. No, that I'm obviously I'm from New York, so uh, you know I can I can give you grief. So you're from you're from upstate. You're now in Buffalo, which might as well be Detroit. And, yes. Uh, and Josh, uh, come on, you always beat us up. Uh, you know, we we had we had a couple episodes ago where where we had a I had my mea culpa and and all is well with me in Detroit now. <laughs> yeah, sure. <it> is. <laughs> um, all right, so you're a buy and hold guy who's starting to get into other stuff. Tell us how you got into it. Why did you Why did you start with real estate? Uh, we started in real estate back in 2006. Um, basically, I bought a duplex and um, wanted to do kind of what Brandon always talked about. Hey, it's always great to start with a duplex. You get to you know be a little bit of a landlord and at the same time get somebody to pay pay your mortgage for you and pay all your bills for you. So yeah. I kind of dabbled in that and uh, I decided to keep going. Nice. 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 So what actually like intrigued you to get into real estate in the first place? Like was it just you, you read a book on it or, you know, I don't know, some crazy uncle told you to do it? <laughs> no, actually my grandparents got me into it. Uh, my grandparents uh, owned a 
duplex, a top-down duplex, and they lived in for years. And uh, I basically told my grandmother, I said, hey, I want to make money while I sleep. Nice. That's, that's essentially awesome. how I started. Yeah, that's essentially how I started. No, that's that's awesome. I, I, I my grandparents. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> take a shot. Uh, my grandparents did not invest in real estate, though. Uh, you know, that's all right. I, I learned from uh, Josh Dorkin. So there you go. Basically, I'm almost as old. As almost you. as old as my grandpa. I was going there. I was going to make that joke, oh. and you totally <laughs> ruined it. Yeah. Yes. All right. Score one for Josh. Score one. All right. We're moving on. So you do, you still do multifamilies primarily because, you know, you start with duplex. I mean, is that your ultimate plan? I mean, you're a multifamily investor or is that just because that's as far as you've got so far? Uh, mostly I want to build on multifamilies. I want to continue to buy them. I just find that, especially in Buffalo, buying multifamilies makes the most sense just because the numbers make the most sense. Uh, when you think about the expenses and the overhead, it just makes the most sense to have the most stores. Um, now to go to like bigger stuff, like the apartment buildings, um, down the road, we might go that way, but I feel like there's a lot, a lot more to that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge multifamily fan. I think everyone knows that by now. So yeah, anyway, um, well, let's talk about that, that first deal a little bit more. I want to dive into, cause I love talking about first deals. So your first one was a duplex. How did you actually get that? Like, what'd you do for financing and how did you even find the property? Uh, I actually called a uh, real estate agent and basically I said I was looking for a duplex and I wanted something that was close to work. And, you know, I was able, that was before the, uh, the downturn. Okay. So the financing and, you know, I no doc, you know, you could do all the loans. It was very, very easy. Um, the whole process took maybe less than 30 days. Uh, it was very quick. Um, and then I basically just put 3% down on it. So it was, it was one of those FHA loans. Okay, oh, nice. cool. That's yeah. it. So, so you did the FHA and you didn't own or occupied. You lived in half and you rented out the other half. Yeah. Yes, that's true. That's so, true. So what was that like? I mean, as, as somebody who, <laughs> you know, suddenly has a tenant, you know, next door, what, tell us about that experience. Well, I learned very quickly uh, not to allow them to knock on my door at all hours because literally that's what they tried to do all the time. Yep. I, yeah. I've been there. How, how did you yeah. do that? How do you train your tenants to... To not knock on your door, come out with a shotgun. Uh, <laughs> Get off my porch! <laughs> no, uh, basically, what I I did is uh, actually the person that was living there was the daughter of the original owner, and he you know he lived in New York City, and he basically um, you know wanted to get rid of the property. So she would constantly knock on the door, and what I decided to do is I just told her, "Hey, call me. Call me if you have problems." And then what happened is she would constantly call me instead of uh, knocking on the door. So what I did is I just said, hey, if it's important, leave a voicemail. Because a lot of times they'll just, they'll just constantly want to you know, hound you. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, a tenant once call me at like four in the morning. I might have said this on a way earlier show, but like four in the morning, tenant calls me and says, there's water all over my kitchen. It's going everywhere. <laughs> So like, so like this is like my first rental property, my duplex. Did you tell her to turn the sink off. <laughs> so I run over there. I run over there, and the drain or the the yeah the drain line underneath had come undone. She knew that was a problem, but she wanted to do dishes at four in the morning. So she wanted me to come over to fix her sink at four in the morning, just so she could finish doing her dishes. And so I walked over. I shut the water off, and I walked straight out again. I said, "I'll be back in the morning." And uh, that was the last time. That was the last time I've had to do a middle of the night call because. Yeah, I, I, you have to set those boundaries or else they will, they will take advantage. Yeah, 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 they will take advantage. Yeah, All right, cool. so so tell us, I mean, tell us about the numbers on that on that first property. You know what I I know Buffalo. You know, I give I give grief, but Buffalo's 
Um, Buffalo is a good market in terms of affordability. Um, it, you know, I, economically, we'll, we'll have another discussion. I'll start transitioning from my Detroit Haters Club to the Buffalo Haters Club. But, <laughs> but, but you Come know, on, Josh, oh, not going there, man. Don't goad me. All right. So, so talk about you know, talk about the numbers on the duplex. Yeah, actually, I, I remember the numbers very clearly. Um, the the deal was actually uh, listed at fifty eight thousand. Uh, I put in a offer of forty nine thousand. And they countered, of course, and uh, they came back at about I think it was like fifty two or fifty three thousand dollars, and um, that's about where we settled. Was it on the market a long time, or or? Oh uh, yes, it was on the market for about two years. Oh okay. wow! Gotcha. Yeah, it, it needed it needed uh, it needed a roof really bad. Gotcha. Okay, so so you get this thing, um, and and what what kind of money did you have to put into it? Uh, I, I found a, uh, guy, you know, that did, uh, you know, a little bit of work on, you know, on the side and he worked, he worked, you know, he was just trying to, trying to make a little extra money. And, um, he did my roof for, you know, I think it was like five or $6,000. So it wasn't that bad. Gotcha. Okay. And, okay. Uh, and what did the, what did the other half rent out for? Uh, the other mm-hmm. half rented out for five fifty five. Okay. So you're pretty much living for free then, right? I mean, except for the, the expenses when they come up. I'm assuming. Yes. Okay, yes. Cool. There you well, go. That, that's, uh, there it is. I mean, I think that's the end of the show. All right. <laughs> I mean, you know, ultimately that's, I, I think people who don't get into real estate for the purpose of like getting crazy rich, you know, people, I think a lot of people that, that we hear about are like, well, you know, if I could just find a way to live for free, that would be the ultimate thing. I don't want to have 25 properties. I just, I just want to be able to kind of get by, save some money, and live for free, and 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 that's that's perfect. I mean, if you can cut on all those expenses out, that's that's fantastic. Uh, so it's a good start. Yes, yeah, I, a very I, good start. I think the whole FHA, you know, uh, duplex thing, which you know I talk a lot about. I think it's it's such a good foundation to build on because if you do it right, you can live for free, which then helps you be able to save for future down payments for other properties. It helps train you on how to be a landlord, like learning those things, like telling your tenant not to call you every time there's a problem, not to knock on your door, things like that. I think that stuff is fabulous. So yeah, yeah. Cool. So is there is there anything y- y- you know? Beyond the, hey, call me, you know, and don't bang on my door. Uh, are there any other issues that have come up with, with living next to your tenants that, that maybe you could tell the listeners and, and, and ways that they can kind of better deal with them? Uh, yeah, actually, I have an, another story. I have, uh, the, there's parking that's actually out in the back. Uh, my, the, this property didn't actually have a driveway, so it was like a behind alleyway uh, parking. And so what actually happened as I got a call around 2 a.m. in the morning, it was snowy outside. Um, Wait, it was snowy? I, this is Buffalo, right? It doesn't snow in Buffalo. We had about two feet of snow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I get a call at 2 a.m. in the morning. I actually, I actually did answer it. And uh, what actually happened is she got stuck in the back, the back area, the back driveway area, uh, because the local town had not plowed that back area because they were plowing other areas. So literally, here I am, two a.m. in the morning, helping her push her car out. Ooh! So now, that doesn't seem to be a landlord responsibility, no, right? No, 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 no. It's not. Um, so after that, I basically told her because she she did she did something very similar again, 
And I basically told her, you know, look, you, you, you know, you got to do this on your own. You got to find somebody. So yeah, she wasn't very happy with that, but, uh, okay. So, so as a landlord, you are, you are not the, you know, help me because my cat ran away kind of uh, person, correct? You, you, you kind of have to create a separation. Yes. Yes. You got to definitely create a separation from your tenants. Definitely. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I think that all goes back to the whole, like I said earlier, training your tenants. Yep. Like, I think people get offended by that term tenants do anyway, because it sounds like you're saying like training your dog. But no, it's like you have to teach them how to be a good tenant so that it doesn't overtake your life. I think most landlords who fail, they fail because of their own like inadequacies at managing tenants. Like it's not the tenant's fault. I think majority of the time it's the landlord's fault for not setting those rules and not training their tenants correctly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree. And, and you know, we've, we've got a post from a number of years ago from, I think it was from Pete Gardini and, and we'll, we'll uh, point to it in the show notes, which by the way, can be found at biggerpockets.com slash show 51. Um, and it was all about training your tenants. How, um, and, and I know we did actually have a bunch of people who got pissed off by, by the, the term, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's exactly it. You know, upfront, if you can, you know, basically create, uh, or, or establish a set of guidelines, rules and regulations, here's the rules of the road. Here's what we do. Here's what we don't do and make it very, very clear. Uh, y- you're going to save yourself a lot of trouble. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, do you have, do you have like a crazy hardcore detailed lease that, that includes a lot of that stuff now? Or how do you typically do your training, Michael? Um, mostly, I mean, yeah, we do have a pretty good lease now that kind of outlines, uh, you know, as far as like when you should call certain things, lockouts, um, you know, uh, Charles, actually my partner, he, he does most of the day to day, um, handling of the tenants now. And he's, he's very good at that. I mean, he's been a manager at his company for, for a number of years. So he's very good at managing people. So honestly, I'm a people person as far as, you know, being friendly and being nice, but he's more like, uh, being able to deal with the the tough stuff because sometimes, you know, it's, it gets frustrating. So he's, he's very, very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's a, there's a book out there called, uh, uh, what's it called? Landlording on Autopilot by Mike Butler. And it's one of my favorite books on landlording and I'll link to it in the show notes. But one thing he talks about in there is, is setting up your tenants with a, what's he call it? I don't remember, but a rent talk. That's what he calls it. So when you actually sign a lease, not only are you signing a lease, but he actually has like a, like a 30 page document that he goes through with his tenants and says like, you know, basically training them. It's a, it's a 30 page manual on how to be a good tenant. And he actually sits down with them and goes through every page of this thing. And I kind of do a version of that now. I don't go quite as, you know, hardcore with 30 pages of a, of some kind of book, but essentially I think the idea is, yeah, if you can just train them correctly, you'll be much better off later on. And I think that's a great idea. And, and I think the key to that is literally as you go through it, initialing, having, having your, your new tenants perspective, well, well there'd be new tenants initialing yeah. every single page as you go through it. And you want to provide them a copy of that packet with yeah. them signing it so that if they come back later, Say, oh, I didn't know that. Well, you know, you signed it. Yeah. Like even a page that said like, here's what an example of, a, of an emergency is. Here's what an example of not an emergency is. If you're doing dishes at four in the morning, that's not an emergency. You know, like just spelling those things out. A lot of tenants just don't know and they don't care. and They don't think about it. So uh, I think it's a good idea. It's funny you say that because as far as emergencies, actually uh, on my wife's uh, birthday, I had a tenant call me at 12 a.m. Uh, and basically say, 
there's water, there's water everywhere. There's water all <laughs> over the floor and there's water in the basement, you know? So here I am, I'm freaking out. And my wife, you know, she's already getting ready for bed. And, uh, she's, she's like, you got to go over there. Yeah, I got to go over there. So I get all the way over there and the tenant, you know, opens the door and it looks at me surprised. And she says, well, what are you, what are you doing here? And I said, well, you told me you had a big leak. And she's like, oh, well, I didn't mean to disturb you. And, and it was just very, it was ridiculous, very ridiculous. She, she had done similar stuff like this a couple of times to my partner. And so anyways, actually what happened was there was a leak from the toilet in the actual unit that was leaking down. We had a guy in there a couple of days before replacing the toilet uh, in there because it, it, it needed to be replaced. And of course, he did a terrible job of uh, actually in- installing the toilet. So there's water running all over the place. So, I mean, that guy was a bad contract. It was terrible. Uh, so I called that guy up and I, and, I, and I told him I gave him a piece of my mind. But my wife is <laughs> not happy about that at all. But I could see that as an emergency. I mean, toilet water running into your unit from another unit sounds kind of emergency to me if I were a tenant. Well, actually, it was what, what was actually happening is it was running in from the bottom unit into the basement. So the basement, it was actually leaking into the basement. And oh, it was okay. an unfinished basement. And literally, it was a trickle. Oh, okay. I mean, she heard it. She heard it through the wall, and she's like, oh, I, I, I hear it. And, and then she went in the basement, and she couldn't really see it. And she's like, there's water everywhere. There's water everywhere. <laughs> and I went down there. There was, like, no water. So it sounds like you're self-managing all your properties. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, we do self-manage all of our properties. Gotcha. And and is there is there a reason for that versus hiring a manager or or what, what's what's your take on that? Well, what we actually decided when we originally formed the partnership, Charles and I, um, we decided that I would do a lot more of the fixing. He would do more of the the tenant management, and um, you know, we eventually decided we wanted to outsource all the fixing. So nowadays, for the most part, we we actually met somebody through Bigger Pockets, uh, a general contractor. And uh, he's been handling pretty much all of the, the maintenance on that side. So pretty much all I handle is a lot of the turnover of the units and, um, you know, help Charles out with some of, that, uh, some of the tenant management and then just kind of big, big picture stuff, kind of expanding our business. Gotcha. Cool. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. And, and so you're, you're finding your deals on MLS, is that right? Yes, MLS. Yep. Pretty much exclusively. I actually just became a uh, real estate agent, licensed real estate agent um, a couple months ago. And uh, prior to that, we had a, um, a person we were working with in the North Towns, as we call it, uh, in Buffalo. And it took me, it actually took us a while to educate her on what was a good deal. So, you know, I always say that I wish there were more real estate agents that understood what investors are looking for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I probably don't need to plug this, but I'm going to. You guys should check out my uh, ultimate real estate agent's guide to working with investors. Because if you're a real estate agent, yeah, read it. And if you're not a real estate agent, go give it to your real estate agent. Just email it yep. and forward to them. Yep. Uh, it'll yeah. make your investing life much better. So, yeah, uh, well, cool. So, Abs- oh, go ahead. I was going to say, absolutely. Uh, I mean, in a lot of cases, they just don't understand the numbers yep. that go along with that. They really don't. They really don't understand the numbers. They'll send you a duplex, and they'll be selling for one hundred and fifty thousand, and you know the rents are you know five hundred dollars a month. And I can look at that and say, yeah, I don't. That's not even close. Not yeah. even close. Yeah. No, I agree. So, what made you want to get your license? Um, I guess. I guess we you know we talk about that on the show a lot. So, why why did you do it? And do you recommend other people do it? 
Yes, I, I highly recommend it. I mean, just being able to get access to the MLS, it's, it's amazing. The information, the detail, I mean, I'm a big uh, data junkie. Uh, part of my actual full-time job is I actually do, you know, look at trend analysis and, and you know, kind of look at the, the, the market. Uh, so, like, for me, this, it, the MLS was like a no-brainer. Yeah, and you have a full-time job then? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, I actually work at a bank. Okay. All right, oh, well, cool. What do, you, what do you do at the bank? Uh, I actually work in uh, the commercial banking. I actually deal with a lot of the uh, incentive process and sales process. Um, I actually do a lot of programming for 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 that. Gotcha. Okay, so so you're you're another one of our uh, working a full time job while real estate investing on the side, guys. Absolutely, which yes. is awesome. So how yes. then? How do you do? Uh, how do you do uh, your your kind of maintenance issues? You know, how did you when you were working and and your tenants would call you in the middle of the day? How would you have handled that, or how did uh, you handle that? Well, originally they're mostly calling Charles, and Charles also has a full time job, so it was the same thing. We tried to split it in the beginning, but as we got bigger, Charles was mostly handling it, mostly because his work was okay with him at least taking calls. And a lot of cases, if it was an emergency, we would just deal with it after work. Gotcha. Okay. Got it. Got it. And and then in terms of, you know, being able to jump on potential deals, um, obviously because you're working, you don't have the opportunity to to kind of plow through different uh, um, new listings in the middle of the day, right? That's correct. Yes. Yes. So so for you though, it, it seems like in that market, and correct me if I'm wrong. You're probably dealing with more listings that are old than listings that are brand new, hot and fresh. That's yeah. During the during the time when we first started, it was very much like that. In the last probably year or so, it's got very it's it's definitely heating up. It's becoming very very competitive for multifamilies in Buffalo. So, how can somebody uh, who's working a full time job then um, have the ability to to scour those deals during working hours and and, uh, you know, get to potentially even see them, um, without kind of, you know, taking time off of work. Yeah. Uh, well, kind of what I recommend is, is find is partnering up or finding an agent that you can really work with that'll really be able to kind of find those properties and, you know, pre-screen them. Um, I know when I, when we first started out, we had an agent that would basically go look at a lot of these properties before she would send them to us. And, you know, once we kind of educated her and taught her, uh, eventually she knew exactly what to look for for us. Yeah, that, uh, that's good. Yeah. Well, you know, let's maybe dive in a little bit more on that uh, partnership thing because that, that I think is, is something that a lot of new investors, you know, hear a lot about, but it's kind of hard to actually know how do you get started? How do you find a partner? What is a good partner? All that thing. So let's, let's talk about, first of all, your experience with that. How did you find your partner? Uh, I actually lucked out. Uh, I met my partner through a mutual friend. And, you know, I kind of brought the idea to him and I said, Hey, you know, I'm doing this kind of real estate stuff. Would you, would you be interested in it? And, you know, I started to show him the numbers and basically educated him from the beginning to, you know, to where we are now. And, you know, uh, he, he basically, you know, grabbed right on and we just, we just went with it. Okay. Okay, cool. And, and how do you guys structure it? Are you 50, 50, I'm assuming, or uh, is it per deal? No, it's 50, 50. I mean, is uh, as my wife likes to appropriately call it, it's like another marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've got like some kind of business LLC, whatever it is, and and he owns fifty percent, you own fifty percent. Is that pretty much it? 
yeah, for the for the most part, that's how most of our deals are structured. Well, are you actually? Which which brings up a question. So, are you doing one entity per deal, or are you? Uh, do you have one entity between you that you use for all the deals? Uh, well, we have a one deal that is actually a commercial property. So that one we actually put into a uh, to a partnership, and the rest of the deals it's kind of uh, you know more using residential mortgages, um, and we basically have some legal documents uh, behind the scenes that kind of help out with that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, so you found him, he's a 50, 50 partner. What, what, you know, what, what does that mean? What, what are your roles? I, I know you, you alluded to it earlier, but, uh, you know, if you could kind of clear like who brings the money in, who's, who does what? Well, initially when we started, we both brought in, uh, the same exact amount of money. And then as we've kind of been growing, um, Charles actually has access to a LMA, which is basically a line of credit, uh, against a stock account. And we've been using that, and we've basically been paying that off as, as we've been kind of expanding and growing our business. Okay. Nice. And so he tackles more of, you said earlier, he tackles more of the uh, direct managing the tenants and things. And you said you're more big picture, right? Yes, yes, yeah. What does that mean yeah. exactly? Well, as far as you know, systematizing our business, we're kind of trying to come up with better ways to do our business. Uh, do our books. Um, I actually built a lot of models when I worked uh, in my previous job in the bank, and I, you know, I want to make things more efficient. I'm all about that, and you know, a lot of stuff that was said in like the E Myth and some other books. I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking about, and also saying, hey, how are we going to grow our business? You know, what we're going to partner and network with other people, and and try to figure out how we can grow our business. Okay. And can you, do you have any good examples of things that you said systematizing your business, you know, e-myth kind of things? What are some examples of, of what you guys are doing? Uh, well, actually what we're doing is we're using a, uh, application called rent tech, rent tech. Okay. And, uh, what that actually will do, it does a lot of the, um, accounting work. Uh, Charles does most of the accounting work. Uh, we do have, you know, a, a couple of folks that help us out and pitch in with that, but on the actual system, it has a lot of stuff that will actually post directly to Craigslist. And it actually has a ticket, uh, like a trouble ticket uh, system. So tenants can actually put in entries into the system and it'll send us an email that tells us that, hey, you know, somebody's reporting an issue. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And why, why did you choose those guys versus, say, like an Appfolio or one of the other online property management platforms? Well, I just, when I talked to the customer support folks um, and, and the sales team, I mean, it just it felt like they had a better product and they were continually developing. Because actually what I was looking at is I was looking at the stuff on their website as far as you know how frequently they were making updates. And it seemed like their product was continually uh, reinventing itself. Uh, so I kind of wanted to, to go with them. And a lot of the other applications, you know, when you're starting out, they, they were very expensive and yeah. we just couldn't afford it. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and we've, got, uh, we've got a link to like a whole slew of online property management uh, software uh, companies uh, for those people listening. If, if you're looking for you know, something like this Rentech or any of the others, uh, and we'll link to those in the show notes, uh, the, the link will be something like online property management. Uh, so check that out. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. 
Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. All right. So what about, you know, you said modeling. Um, you, you had talked about, uh, yeah, I get the systematization through, through these uh, platforms, but what about modeling? Uh, what, what are you doing there? Uh, a lot of what we were, I was initially doing was I built very similar profitability models to like what you guys have built with the buy and hold calculator. I actually remember the original investment calculator back in 2006 or before that you guys had um that was actually on the site and uh, yeah there, there was one there what? well i i i <laughs> i swear there was i swear there was um uh, but yeah, anyways, there was there was something there 
Way there was back. something. Yeah. 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 Uh, so anyways, um, you know, I basically worked with Charles and I kind of was explaining like the different principles of, you know, of investment. And, you know, in the beginning, he was kind of, you know, what we were kind of confused on, hey, you look at a property and the return, you know, would look good because you were financing it. And, you know, I really want to focus on telling investors that when you're looking at, you can't just look at how you're financing. You got to look at the actual performance of the property as extremely important. Um, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, you can make any property look good if you put like 80% down, right? Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good tweetable topic right there, Josh. Maybe I'll throw that one up on Twitter. Well, it's true. I mean, you know, (laughs) well, we had an old uh, user on the site years ago, Mike O, Mike O, uh, some of the folks who've been around bigger pockets for a long time are probably familiar with him. And, and, you know, his big thing was, you know, he was a big 50% rule guy and he basically said, you've got to run the numbers like it's a hundred percent financing, which is, you know, essentially going to make those uh, numbers the worst possible numbers. And if the numbers work out with a hundred percent, then you know, you're in a good position. So, you know, suddenly putting your 20% or 10 or 30 is, you know, is icing on the cake. Yep. Yeah, I, I do yeah. the same thing when I look at a, a value. I always figure, you know, I, I like to say I want a hundred dollars in cash flow per month per unit minimum. I like to see more than that, but that's my minimum, and that's figured with one hundred percent financing. So, you know, if I can get a hundred hundred dollars per unit, you know, four hundred bucks on a fourplex with zero down, it's probably a good deal for me. So if I put twenty percent down, it's going to be more than that. It might be five, six, and that's usually following the fifty percent rule. So yeah, yeah, yeah I'm exactly. a, yeah. I'm a fan. All right. And I would say that uh, a lot of the deals that are here actually uh, are actually more profitable than that. So um, nice. I usually look at a lot of the cap rates. That's what I'll end up doing. So gotcha. Okay, yeah. What what kind of deals are, the, are you getting there? I mean, I I would presume you're probably getting two to two and a half percent deals over there. Is that is that about yeah, right? That's a, that's about right. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, actually one of our most profitable properties. Uh, it's a four unit. It brings in maybe six to seven hundred dollars a month. Eat. Each unit, or unit or cash flow? No, total it's cash flow. Okay, after. cool. Yeah, yes. So that, that's cool. How? No, I don't know New York. How far away is this from New York City? Uh, you it's might as well be in like yeah, California. Why well, no? But like, <laughs> how, how, how long does it take to drive that? Yeah, Buffalo six to hours. New York six six, six hours. hours. Yeah, six hours. if you're driving okay. fast, you can actually get to Canada just as quick. Okay. Well, I was gonna say well, you know it's right next door. <laughs> but, you know, the reason yeah. I ask is because you know how I always say that within driving distance of every major city. I, I firmly believe that there's good places to invest within a couple hours. So it's not New York from there, but I'm sure there are places within a couple hours in New York City. But apparently Buffalo is not part of that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, upper, upper New York is kind of, it's like its own world, man. It's totally different. It really is. So, you yes, know, all, all my good, all my good, red, all my red state friends are, are hating me right now. <laughs> Well, hey, going back to the partner thing, what do you think makes a good partner? Like how, how could somebody that's listening to this show find a good partner to work with? Well, I think the most important thing in a partnership is being able to uh, come to an agreement. And when you do have disagreements, you got to be able to constructively work them out without, you know, basically pushing each other's buttons. Um, Charles is a very... Um, easy kind of going guy. I'm a little bit more of an aggressive kind of guy. So some, you know, most times when we're, we're dealing with issues, I tend to be the one that gets excited and he's very, he's very <laughs> cool and collective, very collective, um, about stuff. So, um, you know, I think, you know, just, just trying to, you know, look out there, go through bigger pockets, um, you know, just go to some of these real estate meetups as well. Um, and that's where you can really find some of these partners. 
Yeah, no, that's a really good idea. And I think people overlook that sometimes, maybe on bigger pockets. The the idea that by engaging on the forums and by asking questions and answering questions that people start to see you and then you, you may very well find your next partner or lender or whatever just on the site just by being involved. You don't have to be an expert or a pro, just be involved and you never know, you know, who's going to end up happens all the time. Does absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Actually, that's, uh, I actually have had quite a few people in the last couple of months have been contacting me just because I've been setting up, uh, the bigger, you know, the bigger pockets meetups, just kind of trying to bring people together to just talk about things. Yeah. Uh, So I've been having, having a lot of people that, you know, new investors that just want to, you know, hey, I want to take you out for a coffee. I just want to pick your brain. I, I get that all the time. I probably get that once or twice a week. And I'll just get a new person that'll ask me and ping me from bigger pockets. So and it's it's great. So are you, Michael? Are you the you running the the unofficial Buffalo meetup? Is that is that you? I, I yeah, I guess I'm running it. I, I guess I would say that. Um, I mean, I do have a lot of help from other people. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't like to take all the credit. No, no. Uh, at the at the same time, um, you know. We have a lot of new people that will come here to this to this meetup, and you know, guys like me. You know, we've been doing this for a little bit, so we tend to to, to be able to talk about and dominate. So at the same time, I want to allow these new investors just to kind of step up, ask questions, or just bring something and be like, "Hey, I want to talk about this topic," and you know, just ask questions. Be like, "Hey, what do you guys think? I don't know anything about this. Teach me about this." Yeah. Um, just to kind of to grow and 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 be able to expand their capabilities. Well, let's talk about this a little bit because, you know, it, it's kind of a semi-recent phenomenon. You know, it's something we tried to instill years ago and it never really happened. But recently, you know, this year alone, dozens and dozens of meetups have kind of popped up, bigger pockets meetups have, have uh, popped up around the country. And, and for me, it's, it's awesome. I mean, that's like the coolest thing possible is to see our people organically setting up their own meetups and literally creating these, these kind of, get-togethers with no agenda, not necessarily no agenda, but there's no sell agenda, right? It's not about pitching. It's not about selling. No. It's about people getting together, networking, educating each other, and, and hopefully doing de- deals and doing business together. So, I, you know, I'd like to hear why did you guys kick this one off um, and, and uh, uh, you know, maybe h- how, do you, how do you run the meeting? Um, well, I think the main reason why, you know, I wanted to put it together is because I wanted to kind of give back and, and give the opportunity that I didn't have. Because when I first started, I mean, yeah, I had, I had bigger pockets, but I didn't know anybody locally. And there weren't people that were reaching out to me to try to help me. So I kind of want to be there to help people to say, hey, there's this group. We can help you. And it's not just me. It's all these other people. Uh, and to kind of be able to grow and, and, and to be able to help them as well. So yeah. I think that's important. And, well, and, and Oh, go ahead, Brandon. Well, I was going to say a couple weeks ago, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago now, we redid on Bigger Pockets the meat page, which is biggerpockets.com slash meat, M E E T, not meat as in your steak. And <laughs> well, I was going to say a good, a good thing people can do is go on there, find out all the people in your local area, send them a colleague request and say, Hey, we're thinking about getting together for a local meetup. Are you interested? You know, those kind of things is like, this isn't, we're not talking about a complicated, you know, process here. This could be as simple as, Hey, you guys want to get together for you know a steak dinner, or coffee, or whatever? So, uh, I'm yeah, I'm yeah. a huge fan. Absolutely, absolutely. Actually, um, um, I'm actually looking to go to uh, Toronto in the next couple of months. And while I'm up there, I would love to if there if there isn't one, or if there is one, I would love to reach out to some of the folks up there and just say, hey, you know, because there's a lot of investors in in Toronto 
that want to get involved, but they have capital, but they look in their market and they can't, there aren't deals or they need more, they need more um, money. So Buffalo is a great, great place for them to look. Yeah. And then, well, that's just another benefit too, is by, by hosting these meetups, these kind of informal things is you kind of become seen as a connector and people may end up working yep. with you or whatever. And I think that's great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, when you do that Toronto, definitely, you know, hit me up, put it on the forums, let everyone know. I'm going to also be in New York city here in uh, January, I think 14th. I think we're going to try to have a little BP meetup there also. So those nice. of you in the New York city area. Yeah. Uh, keep an eye out on the forum. Make sure you have a keyword alert set up for your local city. So when people like Michael, you know, organize a, see, there you are in trouble, Michael. <laughs> people when, <laughs> Michael. when Michael oh, set no. up, when people like Mike set up a, you know, meetup and he writes, Hey, we're gonna have a meetup in Buffalo. If you have Buffalo set up as a keyword alert, you're going to get an email and you can jump into it. So nice. Tell us about the meetings themselves. I mean, you know, there, there is no pitching. There's none of that nonsense. No. Uh, so how are you running the meetings? Like what, what does a meeting look like? Is it just, you know, hanging out over drinks or food and just everybody kind of independently chatting amongst each other or is there any kind of structure no there really there really isn't any structure and we more like to have it just hey we come together we'll talk about different ideas different investments and just just kind of have it very informal um we usually have it at like a steak restaurant or you know a bar that may have like a big uh you know banquet facility you know a room that we can kind of you know get together and talk um, that's a little bit quieter. We actually just most recently had it at a Greek restaurant in a separate area, and, and nice. that was really nice. So gyros, gyros, yes, yes gyros, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so I mean, that's why we want to, you know, kind of, kind of do that to help people out and not have an agenda because I feel like uh, actually not to, you know, say anything bad, but I went to, a, you know, a local meetup um, for, that there's a real estate investment group and I felt like it was very pitchy and I, and I don't like that. I want something where there isn't a, a hidden agenda. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I think that's why these things are exploding because, you know, I, I think unfortunately, you know, these, uh, a lot of the real estate clubs that are out there, uh, you know, I think I think regardless of the pitchiness, I think there's value in, in, in real estate clubs, but I think a lot of people have really grown tired and, and hopefully bigger pockets has played some role in instilling that you don't have to put up with that. Um, but I think people are getting tired of the pitchiness, you know, the constant trying to sell me stuff. And, 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 you know, these, the cool thing about these meetups is it's just guys like you and me and anyone else who, who doesn't really care to have that, who just wants to meet local folks and, and learn and, you know, work together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one more benefit of the, of the local meetups, just by meeting local investors, you find local areas too. Like uh, I, I, we had a meetup out in Portland a few months back and one of the guys mentioned that he was investing like half hour south of Portland. Now Portland, for those who know, like it's very, very expensive. I mean, a house is, is very spendy. We talked about uh, with Tucker on episode uh, 22, where he talked about, He's buying these, you know, houses for four or five hundred thousand dollars, flipping them for a million or more. I mean, these are expensive areas, but like half hour from Portland, there's these areas where you can buy a, a fourplex for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars or less. And so these people, like, were that from the Portland area, had no idea you could buy them that cheap within a half hour drive. So again, that's just the benefit of meeting with local investors: is people, you get ideas and you get locations. So yeah, yeah, and and you, you know, Brandon, you earlier talked about the keyword alerts. And, uh, you know, as I sit here and I'm looking at, 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 uh, uh, Michael's 
uh, recent posts, I could see, you know, they all have Buffalo, a lot of them have Buffalo and Rochester <laughs> in them. And I'm, I'm assuming you probably have set up keyword alerts for things yeah. like Buffalo, Rochester. So when people on bigger pockets are talking about things pertinent to you locally, you can jump in and get involved and start to meet Absolutely. those local people. Absolutely. Yes. That's, that's actually what I, I do. Um, I, I always do that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. So, so let's transition a little bit. You know, you you said you're kind of transitioning from the buy and hold space into, into flipping. Uh, how, how did you come come to that conclusion that you wanted to do that? And, uh, how on earth are you flipping houses while you're working a full-time job? Uh, yeah, actually we decided we wanted to flip houses to be able to come up with cash infusions to be able to uh, buy more multifamily properties. Uh, because as you know, when you do the flips, you get large capital that comes back to you. So that's why we decided to do that. So, Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And, and, and how, how's that going? I mean, have you flipped any yet or are you still in the planning stages? We're actually in the process of finishing up one right now. We have it listed on the market. Um, Hopefully, we'll be selling it in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we'll we'll see how it goes, and then maybe we'll do another one. Nice. Can you kind of walk us through the the numbers on that? Yeah, actually, we uh, we we bought the place for uh, eighty nine thousand. Uh, it actually sat on the market for about six years. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> wow! That's insane. I don't think I've ever heard of a property on the market for six years. No, me neither. Yeah. It wow. was, uh, yeah, it was an REO. Um, it had been sitting for a while. The person, um, you know, got for, you know foreclosed on, and it's been sitting for a very, very long time on some banks' books. Wow. Um, so I think, if I remember right, I think the value that they had out on the on the actual property was about two hundred fifty thousand. Holy cow! Yeah, crazy, uh, crazy market we used to have. So, so you yeah. bought it for, you said 89, 89, 89. And what'd you end up putting into it? Uh, we ended up putting in about 30 to 35 okay. for it. And what are you hoping to, so, like, what are you hoping to sell it for? About 179, 185, somewhere in that range. Ooh, that's a, that's a nice flip. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty a, good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, so I, I know I, I, well, let me jump back to my, my previous question on, on the full-time thing. I know both you and you and Charles are, are working. Um, h- how do you, how do you run a flip while, while you're working? I mean, it seems to me like something that'd be extremely challenging. Um, yeah, actually we met, uh, Dave, David Niles through bigger pockets and, uh, He's a general contractor, and uh, you know he's been doing this for a while. Uh, he actually was a general contractor in the more the residential field before, and uh, he kind of transitioned to doing flips. And you know we met him through BP, and uh, you know we we, we kind of put the, put it together, and here we are. That's cool. Wow, That's awesome. Cool. So, and how how you know for the, how's the experience been for for you guys, and you know how how much have you enjoyed that versus the buy and hold, and do you think you're going to continue to do it for cash infusion or you might even start doing it just because it makes money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, actually we're, we're, we want to, you know, continue to do this and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes, you know, and down the road. I forgot the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I think, I think you answered it. Yeah, that's All good. Right. So, our last question on the flip then I'm wondering how long did it take you then from beginning to end cuz this is your this is your first flip correct Yeah this was our first flip 
Um, originally, if we were thinking we were going to close in under under a month, and basically the the bank or whoever owned it was sitting on it, so it took us an extra probably uh, you know f- extra forty five days on top of that. So probably by the time we get done, start to finish, it's probably going to be about six to seven, maybe eight months, somewhere in that range, okay. just because of how long it's taken. Okay, okay, and I, and I lied. I said that was the last question on the flip. Now I want to. I have one more. How did, how did you fund this one? Uh, through, through the LMA, through the, uh, through the, the, the funding we had, we actually brought on, um, Charles's brother as a, as a kind of like a silent partner, uh, to help us with some of the funding on the deal. And David actually did, uh, all the work, all the rehab. That's how we were able to continue to work full time. Dave's focus was basically on getting that, getting that place done full time. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Cool. Cool. Hey, before we get to the to the next segment, I I just had one last question myself, and and that's uh, you know I, I guess what would you say your your we all make mistakes throughout the process, and and you know I think you had talked about like uh, yeah letting your tenants knock on your doors at six in the morning or whatever. Um, what would you say I guess the biggest mistake you've made so far as an investor has been, and what did you learn from that? Uh yeah, actually I would say our biggest mistake was uh, we had. We had a, a, some tenants in uh, one of our f- first properties that Charles and I bought together, and they basically were saying, "Yeah, we'll get you the rent. We'll get you the rent. We'll get you the rent." And Charles and I were like, we "We're just starting out. We're like, oh yeah, it's okay. It's okay. You're a little late." Three months later, they still hadn't paid. Ooh. Yeah, it was really, really bad, and and they ended up. We ended up having to evict them, kick them out. And it was a very nasty process. They were not happy about it, uh, obviously, but we were not happy about it. You losing, you know, essentially what was probably about three to five months worth of profitability. And we've never done that ever since. I mean, that was a really bad idea. Right on, right on. And how how do you screen? Just to kind of follow up on that, what what's you know what's your uh, what's your process or general process? I mean, general process, we we kind of use the you know. The bigger pockets uh, guy to uh, you know screening tenants. We kind of look at the income. We focus on that. We focus on uh, good references. You know, stable job. Um, we also do you know a background check. Uh, we just started pulling credit reports recently. Um, you know, basically group all that together. That really helps us get a bigger picture about the tenants. The other thing I do is I look in their car. You do the yeah. car thing, okay? Yeah, yeah. I do the car thing. I look in their car. I've actually had tons of people that have said. They rate themselves a five for cleanliness, and I go and look in their car, and there's you know Burger King wrappers and you know tissues, and I don't think so. Brandon, <laughs> he must have turned you down for your. Uh, he for probably would turn me huh? down. My, I have I, you, I actually, <laughs> I, was, I mean, my car is is actually perfectly clean because my wife drives the car. It's my it's my truck that really has the problem. <laughs> Packed to the brim with tools at all point. I don't know all the time. Nice. Anyway. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, let's let's uh, move forward to, to the next segment of the show. Our it's time for the fire round. All right, fire round. These questions all come from the Bigger Pockets forums. Question number one. I'm going to fire at you. Knob and tube wiring. What do you do when you encounter that in a potential property? I don't buy it. Oh really? You just flat out won't? Yeah, I just won't buy it. Oh, really? Okay. You yeah. won't? Okay. Well, that's, I mean, the believe it or not, uh, Brandon's uh, perplexed. He's at a loss for words. <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> I just didn't expect like a, a black and white answer. I, 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 like, I, 
Yeah, usually it's like, well, maybe if it's this or that. Yeah. I, I like black and no. white answers, but. Yeah, uh, actually, the uh, Dave uh, does most of our inspections. And usually when he sees knob and tube, he's like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. And, you know, the guy that we have that does some electrical work, you know, he doesn't like to do it. It's, it ends up not being so good. So, okay. I actually, I actually do. I buy properties with knob and tube because most of the properties out here have it or a lot do. Most have been updated, but. Uh, you know, I'll inspect it and make sure everything's working good and it's clean and functional. Uh, and I always hear it's okay as long as you don't disturb it and mess with it. But uh, yeah, I try to update it when I can, but I don't know. Anyway, that's why I was a little bit like... Uh, don't move speechless. into Brandon's rentals, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot know. more common than you'd think. I, I, need- I, have, I have to renovate my habit tube. Sometimes <laughs> I'll fix it and hopefully nothing ever happens. Well, so the thing, you, don't need to fi- you don't need to fix it. I, the, the electrical, I mean, like they say it is functional. It works just fine as long as like you don't mess with it. You know, it works. Kind of like a best society, right? Like it's okay. It's Hold functional. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, hey, you know, I was strokes. riding. I was riding my horse and carriage to work the other day, <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, "All right, next question. <laughs> what, what, what would you recommend for first rental property? Obviously, yours was a, a duplex, but what would you recommend? A duplex or or single family house? Uh, duplex. I mean, if you're if you're in Buffalo, definitely a duplex. Um, just because it's you know you can kind of find out um, you know whether you really want to be a landlord because I mean. You have to you have to check to see if you're going to be want to be a landlord first because so many people get in this business and they try to be a landlord and then you know they get too deep and they're like you know, they want to sell out they want to get out so yeah okay next question tenants are asking me to pay for their negligence like they busted a hole in the wall they clogged their sink uh, what do you do at what point do you work on their stuff and what point don't you uh, yeah, I mean if there, if it's like a hole in the wall usually I tell them you know I, I will we will do it. But we're going to charge you for it. Uh, that's usually what we end up doing. Um, we actually had a crazy, crazy plumbing issue just happen not too long ago with it with an eviction. Um, so I don't I don't want to get too deep into it because I know this is a fire round. But uh, <laughs> you know, essentially what happened was um, the guy had some folks over and they clogged the toilet and they called me and they said, "Hey, you know, my toilet's clogged. Uh, can you come? Can you come fix it?" And, uh, you know, I had Dave actually went over there and checked it out and it was, it was completely plugged because somebody flushed something down it. And actually in our lease, it states that if you are negligent, you're responsible. Yep. So the guy freaked out, the guy freaked out and you know, and I said, you're going to call plumber and he's like, Oh, I don't have the money. And so basically he went to the basement, took a giant and, and I know I can't confirm this, but I'm pretty sure because uh, I, I saw where they actually hit the pipe. They went to a cast iron pipe, basically took like a giant wrench and went <laughs> dong, just wow. like that. and went dong right against it. And there's a giant, believe it or not, I, I could actually send you the picture. There's literally, it looks like you can see it. And I get a call from the guy and he says, oh, I just want to let you know there's a leak in the basement, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was crazy. Dave, Dave was there. Dave saw it, uh, the guy we met from BP, and he was just floored. He could not <laughs> believe it. Nice. That's awesome. Now, uh, hopefully, you have your move-in, move-out inspection. Uh, you have photos yes. of, of the place, so you can obviously demonstrate that uh, it did not look like this prior to the dong of the Correct. Uh, Correct. Correct. Yes, that's correct. I mean, we went and tried to get a judgment, and we, you know, we actually did get a judgment. A uh, big problem is, is you know, like some of these tenants, it's it's hard to track some of them down. So. And you can't collect. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, well, that's the price you pay, I guess. It's, been it's a part of the one. game. Yep. 
All right. So, uh, you know, I've inherited $150,000 and I have uh, pretty bad credit. How should I invest? Uh, I would say you should partner with somebody. I mean, especially if you have the money, find somebody who has good credit that can help you qualify for, for mortgages. Uh, you know, set up all your legal stuff. Definitely consult, you know, your legal and accounting professionals just because I, I, I can't stress that enough. I think that's very important. Um, set that up and, uh, you know, use that capital and buy as many houses as you can. Don't just buy one. Buy as many as you can with 150. Spread that out. Nice. I, I would want to add to that that I think a lot of that question would depend on why why the bad credit? You know, if it if it's medical bills because there was a bad thing, that's different than somebody who just is terrible at managing their money. Yes, yes. And so, like, if somebody was absolutely terrible at managing their money, I would say, you know, don't invest in real estate. Stick that money in the bank and uh, figure out how to clean up your life first, and then invest in real estate. But that's my addition to that. Quick, can you be nice to me, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make fun of you. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next question. A house you buy, you know, a rental, and it's covered with paneling, like the ugly brown stuff. Do you paint it, replace it, or leave it for your rental property? I guess it really depends on how bad it is. I mean, I have seen a lot of that in Buffalo. Uh, You get the brown paneling. It looks like wood. Some of it's not too bad. If it's really bad, usually I just paint it. Because you're removing it, you do not know what's behind there. That's that's the scary part. I feel like you open Pandora's box when you do that. Yeah, yeah I, I agree 100%. Awesome, awesome. All right, here, here's, a, here's a question that's uh, pretty appropriate for, for you. My, my water pipes just froze. What do I do? Call a plumber. Ah, there you go. Can I, I want to add a story to this real quick. So last night, my, my wife went to Starbucks to meet with some friends. And, you know, this was the big freeze that we had, like, like in western Washington. We were, you know, super cold. Anyway, I decided just, you know, just to be safe, I want to drive around just to check out some of my vacant units, make sure there was no problems. So I got over to one of my houses that was that was empty. And uh, I, I could hear it from, like, when I got out of the car from probably 30 feet away. I just heard just this gushing water. Oh, and geez. so I ran, I ran over to it, looked under the house, just kind of popped my head under. And one of the, like a one inch water line going in had completely blown up because some, I, I didn't do it, but some idiot put, you know, this plastic cheap uh, water line in there. Anyway, just completely shattered. And I don't know how long it had been like that, at least probably eight hours of just pumping out water. So yeah, I got a, a little bit of a mess to take care of here in the future, but it's empty. Nice. So I'm not in a major hurry, but nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So I, I actually did want to ask you, and this was is non fire round, but Josh, you know, being you're wrecking things. You know what? Whatever. <laughs> it's my show. My show. It's his show. <laughs> All right. So you're you're in Buffalo. I mean, you're you're in one of the uh, most miserable places on planet Earth. Hey. To- <laughs> and, uh, and and so I, I'm just wondering, you know, the cold related issues. You know, are are there any others beyond the you know just making sure. Uh, you know, external pipes are shut off, sprinklers are drained, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing with that is just, you know, make sure you, you check on your heating units, make sure they're all good. Um, surprisingly, knock on wood, so far we haven't had anybody call and say, hey, we got, uh, we got, we got, a, we got a leak, you know, or we got, you know, heating issues. So, so it's been good. What What about snow removal? You know, I, I used to have rentals uh, in, in the Midwest and, uh, you know, the law said if we, if we went and shoveled the snow 
but there was still a little bit of ice and the tenant or anybody on the sidewalk slipped and fell, you're responsible. But if you left the snow, didn't touch it, didn't try to shovel it, and somebody fell, you're good to go. You know, are there any kind of like weird laws like that up? Uh, in- I haven't. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. I mean, we do actually have snowplow service and uh, you know snow removal and and uh, they do put down ice, but you know, or the stuff that you know will dissolve the ice. But I, I yeah, I don't think we have that up in Buffalo. It, you know, it's one of those crazy things that you, you would probably discover what happens and knock on wood. I hope that never happens. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Cool. Well, good stuff. All right. Well. Why don't we uh, Why don't we start wrapping this up and uh, get to the famous four? All right. Well, cool. Well, what is your favorite real estate book? Uh, I actually have two that I really like: uh, mm-hmm. "Start Small, Profit Big in Real Estate." J.P. DeSima. Ah, oh, I have another book by that guy. Good book. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then the other one would be Building Wealth One House at a Time, which is uh, John W. Schwab. That is a good one, too. Um, yeah. Awesome. All right, what about your favorite business book? <laughs> That's my Oh, wow. did I just take your question, Josh? Uh, no, whatever, whatever. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Do your well, thing. Josh isn't going to like the answer, so. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's all stick. What page are you on? Okay, so the answer is four-hour work week. The next question is, what are your hobbies? The answer is, oh, I spend time with my family. The next question is, you know, what do investors do to elevate the bar? The answer is, oh, they just stick through it. End of interview. Thanks, guys. For- <laughs> no, I, I think Mike's okay, got some me, better let, answers let me, here. Let, let no. me re-ask that. All right, Mike, what's your favorite business book? Four-hour work week. There you nice. Go. It's a good book. It's a good book. This is a good book, page 27. All right, what, <laughs> what uh, Josh, why don't you take the next question since I stole yours? Oh, whatever. I'm done with you. Um, <laughs> Mark, what, are your, what, what do you do for fun, man? Uh, actually, uh, I was telling Brandon the other day, uh, I actually uh, play badminton. Oh, nice. Like actual badminton, not like backyard badminton. So, um, like high school gym. Like- yeah, it's it's competitive. It's very very competitive. Um, you know, I travel for tournaments and stuff like that. Uh, my wife will go with me, and uh, I have lots of friends that play. So, it's, it's fun. so I got to tell you, one of the one of the strange events I like watching in the Summer Olympics is is badminton. It's it's like. It's crazy. Those things. Those those. What are they called? The little uh, net things that Birdie you whack. Shuttle. Oh, shuttle shuttlecock. Cock. Oh, yeah. Uh, shuttlecock. What'd you call it, Brandon? Isn't that a birdie? What's a birdie? birdie? Yeah, they call it birdie. Yeah. That's what right. I thought. I remember that from high school. Come on. All right. People so the birdie. Yeah, those things go fast, man. That's a, yeah. that's a tough yeah. game. It's intense. Yeah. Especially, if, you know, for me, somebody who's a little bit of a bigger guy, uh, it's uh, it's definitely tough because uh, most of the guys I end up losing to are these 100 pound soaking wet guys that are, you know, six foot, you know, three. Uh, <laughs> I just can't compete with them. They're, 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 they're machines. So nice. Oh, I would love to love to watch you play one of these days. <laughs> nice BP meetup. There we go. There you go. There <laughs> okay. you have it. Uh, final question. Mike, what do you believe sets apart the successful investors from those who just give up and fail? Um, I just think you need to be persistent. And I also think that um, you need to continue to drive and, and be excited about it because if you kind of like lose your enthusiasm for what you're doing in, in real estate, I, I feel like those are the people that kind of fizzle out. So I think it's important to stay passionate. Yeah, that's a good answer. That is a good answer. Predictable, but it was a good answer. <laughs> 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 Michael. 
All right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think that's great. Well, so listen, it, it's, it's been great having you on the show. Definitely, definitely appreciate it. Uh, I love hearing that you're part of uh, running the local meetup. That's fantastic. And anyone listening, you know, hopefully they will, uh, you know, reach out and, and uh, connect with you at that meetup. Um, and uh, I guess the last question is really, uh, how can people find out more information about you? Where can they connect with you? Uh, you could find uh, you could find us on Bigger Pockets, uh, and uh, you know we have a uh, we have a website as well. Um, you could find that in the in the show notes. So uh, what's what's the what's the link? Uh, www.cnmrental.com. CNN that CNM <laughs> Charles and Mike. Oh, I thought you worked for Ted Turner. All of a sudden, gotcha. <laughs> right. gotcha. Cool. All right, cnmrental.com. Check it out and. Uh, Mike, thanks so much, man. We, uh, we, we definitely appreciate uh, the time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. That was Mike Sherwood on the Bigger Pockets podcast, show 51. Check it out on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 51. Uh, as, as you can tell, Mike is quite the knowledgeable fellow. Uh, he's he's uh, had some awesome experiences, and hopefully you've learned a thing or two. If you have, Definitely jump onto iTunes and leave us a review, not only of this show, but pretty much all the 50 preceding podcasts. And uh, that'd be great, leaving us some kind of rating and or review. We'd appreciate it. Otherwise, of course, jump on the show notes and, and ask any questions you've got for Mike. Uh, beyond that, listen, we want to thank you guys. Again, this is 2014's first show. We're super excited about the year to come. Hopefully you guys are in enthused and looking forward to jumping in on the community hop on the forums get active on the blogs on the bigger pockets blog do something um and uh you know start meeting people start networking and and making things happen uh of course we uh we as we always do uh remind you to check us out on facebook twitter google plus a great network and uh linkedin uh make sure to follow us on all those networks and otherwise, we'll see you on Bigger Pockets. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. You're to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. 
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.